listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in this space and enjoy this week's sermon. This morning is called A Litany of Atonement by the Reverend Robert Eller Isaacs. This will be a responsive reading for which I will give the stanza, and you'll repeat the words given on the screen. For remaining silent when a single voice would have made a difference. For each time that our fears have made us rigid and inaccessible. For each time that we have struck out in anger without just cause. We forgive ourselves For each time our greed has blinded us to the needs of others. For the selfishness that sets us apart and alone. For falling short of the admonitions of the Spirit. For losing sight of our unity. And the final one. For these and for so many acts, both evident and subtle, which have fueled the illusion of separateness. This was a litany of atonement by the Reverend Robert Eller Isaacs. We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again in love. Powerful words found in the back of our hymnals, if you didn't know it. Words written by the Reverend Rob Eller Isaacs, who sadly died a couple months ago now. Words for a time such as this, this time of Yom Kippur, though I reckon these words are needed more than ever in 2022. We forgive ourselves and each other. We begin again in love. What is the Unitarian Universalist approach to sin, confession, forgiveness? Those can be triggered words, right? (laughs) Sin! You didn't need to grow up in a religious tradition that focused on sin to be affected by that word. Being in America, our relationship with the word sin is part and parcel of the water we're all swimming in. But so too, there are those among us who've been labeled sinners because of who we are. Now you hear that word in a Unitarian Universalist congregation, people's backs straighten a bit. (laughs) Some people cross their arms. Some wait for the final blow, for the preacher to somehow accuse us all of being sinners. Confession, another word we don't hear much of in our tradition. What is there to confess? If we're universalists, do we need to confess if we're forgiven already? And forgiveness, yes, 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 (laughs) we hear about that. We all know it's more about us and for us than for those who harmed us and so on and so forth. 
sin, confession, forgiveness. Would they sound better if we used brokenness, repentance, and repair? This weekend on the edge of Yom Kippur, as our Jewish siblings are fully immersed in the high holy days, I believe that we owe it to ourselves to look at sin and brokenness, confession and repentance, forgiveness and repair. We should also trust that in a place such as this, how those words have been bent and twisted does not apply here. And that ultimately, whatever we call our faults as human beings, sin, brokenness, human nature, desperation, whatever it may be, our focus as a people is on repair, repairing relationships with ourselves, each other, the earth, and so on. With abundant grace, another one of those words. But really, it's just that loving kindness we are called to give and receive generously. So what is the spirit of Yom Kippur in this day and age? I can't answer that fully. I am a full-blooded Gentile and wasp. And if you don't know what a wasp is, it's a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. But what I can do is look to our Jewish communities, the communities of practice and the wisdom literature that inspires and nurtures Yom Kippur. Perhaps the better question is, how do we even think about repairing relationships in our world in such a state as it is? It feels overwhelming, at least to me. Growing political divides. Must all members of this party or that party or this faction and that faction be my sworn enemies for life? The crying out of our planet and the suffering that will await us and does await us with the climate crisis. What is there even to repair now? And then there's that impulse that's been nurtured by social media and a culture of reactivity that tells me I must be right, I cannot be wrong, I must fight, I must react immediately to every crisis. How do we repair our relationship to ourselves when we're so busy reacting? The legacy of racism in our country, the effects of poverty, the denying of trans rights, the subjugation of a woman's body. What do you even do with all of that and then some? And underneath all of that, how do we begin the work of repair when the world is rushing back after two years of confusion, fear, upheaval? Asking the question is, as always, a great place to start, gathered here in a community such as this. Now, do do you remember when the pandemic started at the height of shutdown, how many of us shared what we didn't want to come back once it was over? How are you doing with that? I know I'm struggling. And at the heart of that struggle for me is realizing that so much of our modern way of life is broken. And it is so much easier to just return to it than to do the work of repair. Mm. So let's take a moment, take a breath. There are layers upon layers upon layers here. Some of you are feeling the weight of it all, all the brokenness in our world, your life and your relationships and so on. Some of you would rather we just get on to the forgiveness part of this already. (laughs) But that's the first lesson of Yom Kippur I think we need to acknowledge. We are held by community no matter where we are in our struggles with the brokenness of the world. And that includes those who might believe the world isn't broken at all. 
This is one of the things that I do love about Judaism. Their celebrations, their observances, their prayers, their rituals, the heart of Judaism is in community. And I feel like Unitarian Universalists have cozied up to that idea, that world for a long time, still holding on to that Protestant individualism. Can't always have both. And perhaps that is our blessing and our curse, and I'll let you figure out which one is which. It's in that communal heart that Yom Kippur comes alive. Now, I've had plenty of Jewish friends who like to repeat the joke that all year they can do whatever they want and come Yom Kippur one day of the year, they're good, slate wiped clean, one and done, off to sin some more. And I appreciate a healthy sense of humor around religion. But for everyone that jokes about Yom Kippur, they also know, they really know, that there's a serious heart to that observance and holiday. Leading up to Yom Kippur, Jews are encouraged to engage the spiritual practice of teshuva, which means to turn. Teshuva, turning, is the practice of looking back over the past year and calling into our thoughts the moments that have gone wrong, where we, we have missed the mark, hurt others knowingly, knowingly or unknowingly. And it is a call to deep self-reflection on our flawed humanity. But it isn't just a period of wallowing. It's also a call to reconciliation. It's a call to turn to forgiveness, both asking and receiving. In turning to forgiveness on Yom Kippur, we pledge ourselves to reorienting our lives to a more righteous path. And part of this is in asking forgiveness. Now, I don't know about you, but asking forgiveness is not the most fun that I've ever had in my life. And I don't mean... <laughs> how my Midwestern ancestors constantly ask for forgiveness. I'm sorry, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for everything. I mean real forgiveness. Asking someone that you know you've hurt. And yet in this practice, the ultimate goal is, yes, indeed, of course, forgiveness, but one step further, repair. Repairing of relationships, friendships, acquaintances, strangers, beloveds. And if you know anything about Judaism, there is also some blunt, honest wisdom in that aspiration, that hope to repair. We cannot repair everything. It is impossible. The work is never done, but go and try anyway. Fail, fail often, but keep doing it. And sometimes repair work doesn't work out how we imagined. Sometimes we don't receive the forgiveness we hoped for, but something else happened repair the harm that we have caused or that others have caused. There's a great story on what repentance and repair can look like from Simon Wiesenthal. And he wrote a book called The Sunflower. And it's been a book that people have commented on and argued about since its publication in 1969. And if you don't know Simon Wiesenthal, he was a Holocaust survivor, having survived four concentration camps and the Buchenwald death march. And during his imprisonment in Yanoshka, he and a group of other Jews were ordered to help clean up medical, medical waste at a Nazi army hospital. And a German nurse one morning pulled Simon from his work rather randomly and suddenly he found himself in the room of a dying SS soldier. Simon was told to sit by his bedside and the Nazi soldier started to confess. 
He had joined as a volunteer, he admitted, and he was ordered to commit heinous crimes, including the execution of over 300 Jews. Now, Simon understandably wanted to leave the room. Instead, he took the soldier's hand. The soldier expressed great remorse and said he would do anything to take it all back. Simon reflected in his memoir. He was a dying man, a murderer who did not want to be a murderer, but who had been made into a murderer by a murderous ideology. He was confessing his crime to a man who perhaps tomorrow must die at the hands of the same murderers. In his confession, there was true repentance. The dying soldier begged Simon to forgive him on behalf of the Jews he murdered. Simon stood up, thought about the request for a few moments, and left the room without saying a word. It's when Simon walks out of the room that the debate has raged since he published that story. Did forgiveness happen here? In many expressions of Judaism, it is believed that the only criteria for forgiveness is true repentance, that no human being can or should try to truly forgive, but only God can. And in regard to Simon, who is currently imprisoned and could die any day, the only thing he could do was teshuva, to turn away, to turn towards something other than the evil this man had committed. This is important for us to take note of. Forgiveness is often talked about in a way that minimizes harm and puts the burden on those who've been harmed. In our Puritan-fueled culture, we often think poorly of people who do not forgive in a way we think they should. But Simon did everything he could. He held the man's hand. He stayed by his side, even though he wanted to throw up, run out of the room, or hasten this man's death. When the space for this dying soldier to fully repent was created, and he did. Simon turned away and turned toward the only thing he could turn toward, surviving. When Simon was liberated from Mauthausen, he eventually found the dying soldier's mother. The old frail woman shared good memories of her son, and Simon just listened. He never told her the crimes that her son committed. For in Simon's eyes, he had repented. You can see why this story ignites debate. And that's the point. That's why Simon wrote it down. The wisdom of a day like Yom Kippur does not give the world a one-size-fits-all method of forgiveness and repairing relationship. It does not put the burden on those who've been harmed either. But it does invite everyone into the work of repairing relationships. For Simon Wiesenthal, that repair meant allowing a dying man to repent and keeping an old woman company. Not all acts of brokenness and repair are as deep and traumatic as the Holocaust, but there is plenty before us that is broken in our lives, the world, relationships, and so on. And it's helpful to know that repentance, forgiveness, and repair doesn't always look like a cheerful wiping away of wrongdoing. It's not always an act of contrition, though it can be those things too. More often than not, it's just plain complicated. And that's where courage comes into play here. Do we have the courage to engage the confusing, complicated work of repairing relationships? Do we have the courage to mess up 
make fools of ourselves, to let our anger get the best of us, or sadness, our resistance? Do we have the courage to realize that sometimes it's not our responsibility to grant forgiveness, but to simply give room for those who've wronged us and the world to be held accountable? And to say that that is forgiveness enough. That's a hard one, right? (laughs) That's hard for me too. Our culture tells us we have to forgive someone when they come to us. The Reverend Nadia Boltz Weber puts it a different way. And she writes, what if forgiveness is actually a way of wielding bolt cutters and snapping the chain that links us? It is saying that what you did was not okay, and I refuse to be connected to it anymore. Free people aren't controlled by the past. Free people laugh more than others. Free people see beauty where others do not. Free people are not easily offended. Free people are unafraid to speak truth to stupid. Free people are not chained to resentment. That's what's worth fighting for. Let's get some bolt cutters out. (laughs) And that is what Simon Wiesenthal did in the story we heard. He cut the chain that bound him to the evil the Nazi soldier committed. But also, do we have the courage, the fortitude, to be vulnerable with those we've wronged? And should we decide to snap the chain chain that links us, do we have the courage to give back to the world in other ways? To free ourselves so we do not repeat the same harm or are subject to the same harm. And that's another lesson from Yom Kippur. No matter what, we are called to repair the world. Tikkun olam, as it is called. There's a recognition in Yom Kippur and this concept of tikkun olam that we are flawed and will remain flawed and we will mess up and harm others and harm the world. But the way through is that reminder that we are called back again and again and again to repair, to mend, to atone or be at one with the world. In our universalist heritage, it's the reminder that all things can and will be reconciled one day, maybe not yet, but one day. And we have a part in that. The work of forgiveness and repair is not easy to sum up. It's not this one and done thing. It's messy and it requires a lot of intentionality. I I think it was Albert Einstein who once said, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it enough. Guilty as charged. I don't think the work of repair and forgiveness is meant to be simple or fully understood. We're all in progress with this all continually adapting and learning and growing when it comes to repair. And our world is crying out in so many interlocking, interwoven, layered ways. What's left for us to understand is that we do have a part in this, that we can't do it alone, and that as long as we keep trying to repair our relationships with ourselves, each other, the world, all that is, it is enough. That is simply said. That is what I understand. And that is what I invite a community such as ours to understand in 2022. It takes courage. It takes vulnerability. It takes joy and sorrow and all the in-between that we share with one another. And it takes care and gentleness, but also a prophetic discerning voice. It is then and only then that we can say and keep saying, 
we forgive ourselves and each other, we begin again in love. Those words do not make it so, but they commit us to the ever unfolding work of repair. And so may you begin again in love, dear friends. Gimar Hatima Tova. May you be sealed in the book of life, this Yom Kippur. May it be so. Blessed be. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.